And now, the voice of truth. News, interviews, political commentary, current issues that affect Christians today. The Voice of Truth is your Washington, D.C. connection from a Christian perspective featuring host Shannon Skolton. The Voice of Truth contains unapologetic criticism of current events, reveals disingenuous politics, and addresses difficult issues. If you are easily offended by political incorrectness, listener discretion is advised. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That is the verse that Sandy Robison from Robison Tactical lives by. Robison Tactical is a self-defense training company located in Las Vegas, Nevada. They provide church leaders with CCW and other self-defense skills necessary to protect their congregations. Robison Tactical can be found online at fffactical.com. fffactical.com. Hi and welcome to Voice of Truth. I'm your host Shannon Skolton and we have some really, really pertinent information that we're going to be talking about. We uh, have not done a program for the past three days, as you know, if you're just tuning in, because I've been super, super sick and I'm still sick. So bear with me today as I try to get through the multiple interviews and live recordings that I have. Sorry if I have to mute my microphone. Uh, But we are here with Brad Dacus from Power Hour uh, for Voice of Truth. We are going to be tackling some amazingly crazy things that are unraveling before our eyes. I completely believe some of this is completely pre-planned. I won't speak for my guest, but you know him very well. Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute, a phenomenal friend, a voice of truth, a righteous, righteous, uh, awesomely righteous organization out of California, uh, and a, and just a wonderful man of God and a great father and husband. Brad Dacus, thank you for being on the program. Oh, thank you for allowing me. I appreciate it, Shannon. Hey, I'm super excited. I'm going to play some audio real quick for those who might not know where I'm going to go with this uh, broadcast, but I'm going to play some audio, and I want you to listen to the complete insanity of the left with the leak of Roe v. Wade, the potential uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade, uh, Roe v. Wade, which we're going to discuss and what the implications are for the United States of America, for democracy, it seems like, for anything constitutional at this point. Uh, so listen, take a listen to this, and I'll play another soundbite, and we'll get right into it. For decades now, and we are going to fight that. And for, for decades now, and we are going to fight that. I just want to let everybody know, with her screaming and foaming at the mouth in that image, uh, that I've read the Constitution, uh, and not upside down, right side out, inside, backwards and forwards like some, but um, unfortunately, there's no abortion route, uh, right to be found in the Constitution anywhere. But we also have uh, some sound bites here that I'm going to play for you from good old Kamala Harris, our vice president. Well, we say, how dare they? How dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? This seems to be the uh, issue that we see in America right now, where we have politicians, preachers as well, teachers, um, congresspeople, um, 
professional athletes, activists everywhere foaming at the mouth because of this potential overturning of Roe v. Wade, which we've talked about on the program before. We now are seeing mass riots, uh, not in the way of being destructive at this point, but protest, I should say, maybe rather than riots. Um, and we see that the crying, screaming, snowflake, millennial, Gen Z um, generation coming up is picketing and protesting on college campuses as well, all because of a leak. So, Brad, I want to get into that. I wanted everyone to hear those sound bites to understand a little bit about what we're dealing with in the political and the uh justice, civil and religious liberties and justice aspect of pro-life versus pro-choice right now in America. Uh, what say you on all of this? <laughs> well, there's so much to say. Um, first off, this is uh, what I was predicting and, and hoping for uh, in terms of uh, the likely outcome of this Mississippi Dodd case, uh, where the majority of the Supreme Court, five votes that we know now, we don't know, still don't know about Roberts, which way he's going to go. But uh, that uh, based on the snapshot that we had coming out of the, the February draft of the opinion by uh, Justice Alito, it looks like we have five justices that are going to vote to overturn Roe versus Wade. Uh, you know, I don't, in a way you look at it logically, um, I don't know why uh, Warren and, you know, Harris are, are just so frantic and just so, um, you know, panicking and everything about this uh, because Roe versus Wade just simply sends it back to the states. Right. First off. So uh, baby killing states that love to kill as many preborn babies as they they can. Uh, they subsidize it like Massachusetts, you know, New York, Vermont, Illinois, Washington, Oregon, California and others. They're still going to be killing babies. Um, to, you know, just like they are now, and even more so possibly, uh, like if California gets its way to actually legalize infanticide, being able to kill the baby after it's born up to four weeks. Uh, That's right. With no criminal prosecution. So, um, so it's not going to go away. And then those states that do adopt pro-life legislation, it's going to be reflective of the values and convictions of the people of that state. Uh, and and what we've seen so far is uh, we've seen states like you know like uh, Mississippi and in Florida and others uh, pass the uh, 15 week uh, legislation banning abortions after 15 weeks unless a woman's life's in danger. We have other states like you know, Texas and Ohio and others that pass the, the heartbeat legislation, which says, hey, you can't kill a preborn baby um, if there's a heartbeat. Very reasonable, very logical very humane, um, very rational. Uh, so there, there really is not this this huge threat. In fact, the states that uh, after everything is all said and done will have passed, will have passed restrictive uh, pro-life legislation to protect the pre-born. We're looking at 27 states after everything is all said and done. Those that have done it, those who've done it historically, have it on the books that'll be reenacted once Roe versus Wade is overturned. I think that's five. You have another eight, I think, that passed laws recently regarding it. Um, then you've got uh, you know, more than another nine that uh, are about to or soon will. These are red states, pro-life states. Uh, but once again, it's it's nothing radical. It's not across the United States. It's not the entire nation. Uh, there's still going to be a, a lot of work to be done uh, on a state level for the pro-life movement and protecting preborn babies from being slaughtered and murdered by the likes of Harris and Warren. 
You know, it's interesting, and I wanted to point out some of the insanity and the screaming, because one, Elizabeth Warren is essentially trying to incite an insurrection against SCOTUS as she's trying to provoke the crowd to get more angry. We saw this on January 6th, and we saw how they tried to accuse Trump of starting an insurrection as well. We know where that has led. I don't see people uh, rallying the torches to go get her and federally indict her or lock her up for uh, the anger, hostility, and aggression that is being pointed towards the Supreme Court. You know, as far as the leak goes, my personal opinion, and this again, and I always um, want to preface what I say with not necessarily having any inside knowledge or information. This is an opinion. It's not a Holy Spirit download. But my my whole opinion is this leak was intentional. It was intentionally leaked to cause fear and panic and anger. Uh, and, you know, protesting, uh, in my opinion, to potentially strong arm and change uh, the way that this is this vote is going to go down in the Supreme Court. Whether it works or doesn't work is not necessarily where I'm getting at with my opinion. I do believe that this is what the tactic is. Uh, and I see that this is repetitive in many ways. If you look back in history, right before a midterm election, right before an election, something grievous happens, some major issue happens. All of a sudden, there's protests and there's rioting, uh, you know, and then it gets all the the publicity and it takes our eyes off of something else. So this is a very common thing that we see. I think the pressure is going to be put on the Supreme Court. Uh, And we're going to ultimately see what's really going to happen when push comes to shove. That being said, I agree fully with you, Brad. The unfortunate truth is it does go back to the states. We can't ban it forever for good. And the states have their part to play in this legislation for their communities and for their people. But that being said, it does go back to the states. So for everyone to be freaking out in the way that they are, almost manifesting to be honest with you it's demonic it's just vile the the way that people are acting the you know i don't know if you've ever seen the program um libs of tiktok but uh ben shapiro on the daily wire goes through them once a month but the posts from a pro (coughs) pardon me pro-choice activists are just so demonic. I mean, men and women, elderly people and young people, part of the LGBTQ community, part of not, I mean, screaming and freaking out in front of the camera. And I'm like, wait, hold on. Does everybody not understand that now their state has a right to figure out where they're going to go with this? And as I said before, some states are going to double down and, you know, push for, you know, more anti-abortion legislation. And then other states are going to triple down, quadruple down and go, like you said, for infanticide. And this is the reality of what we're going to deal with, including abortion tourism and states wanting to fund abortions and stays and and transportation and all of this. But it's not over until it's over. Right. The debate battle is just beginning. And uh, I think it's going to be very counterproductive. The Democrats are going to try to use this uh, to distract from the other issues uh, that they're all losing on uh, based on the upcoming midterm election. I mean, they, right. don't have, they don't have a winner, so they're going to, you know, try, uh, you know, killing preborn babies, um, you know, as their as their calling card. That's that's their rallying cry, if you will. So I think uh, it's going to be counterproductive. Also, uh, once once they, you know, most people who ask about Roe versus Wade, if they say, you know, 
they're in favor of Roberson's way and not overturning it. They don't know what overturning it means. Yeah. They think yeah. overturning would make it illegal to have abortions of any kind anywhere. But once it's overturned and the average John Doe and Mary Jane say, oh, oh, that's that's all. That's all it is. Oh, OK. I, I'm not prevented from going here or having an abortion in this state or that state. You know, uh, I think this it's not going to be seen as this, you know, this uh, terrible thing. And even from the, the, the left and from liberals. I think are going to actually be deflated once they come to the realization that their blue uh, pro baby killing state is still going to be able to kill as many preborn babies as they want. Um, I just I think that's uh, it's going to deflate. And then once again, even states that pass legislation, it's going to be legislation that is reflective of their state. It's, and it will probably be state legislation like uh, like Florida's where it's 15 week or or Texas, where it's when, when a heartbeat begins. Um, the, the masses, the majority, according to the polls, uh, the majority are in favor of that kind of legislation. So I I think uh, that they're screaming and yelling, trying to create an issue that is going to, uh, the bubble's going to burst uh, much quicker than they think. And it, it won't even, I don't think it'd be a, a major issue come election day. Let's talk about infanticide a little bit, <clears throat> because that is something that's on the table, not just in California and Maryland and in other places, as you mentioned, I don't think a lot of Christians have a good grasp and an understanding that that is actually a huge potential for happening where a baby can be born and the mom of that baby can abort that baby's life, kill that baby after it comes outside of the womb for 14 days. In some cases, some some cases they're pushing for longer uh, because there's not clear language legally from uh perinatal and prenatal, like in Maryland, for instance, the language isn't really specific in when or where that takes place. And so it leaves this gap where there's a judgment call to where the mom doesn't have to be prosecuted, can have no criminal charges brought against her if that baby ends up dead. Even if that baby's in a trash can or a barrel somewhere, they cannot pursue figuring out what happened to that child after birth. And so this leads the way for a legalizing murder, uh, which is what we call infanticide is no longer abortion. It is murder. And if I'm correct, and you can correct me, that as a human who is now born into the United States of America and technically is, in a, is a citizen, it is then covered by the laws of the land and it should be considered abo- uh, not abortion, but murder at that point. Yeah, it should be. Uh, definitely. And, uh, you know, there's still some question whether or not uh, there may be, uh, you know, federal law that could kick into place in terms of uh, murder, homicide. Um, you know, we'll have to have to see. But if this does become law, it's going to be have uh, serious uh, federal legal concerns, questions, uh, possibly even some constitutional questions in terms of the sanctity of life and lack of due process of a person uh, that is born and recognized as a person uh, under federal law and even under state law. So uh, it's um, it's interesting uh, and it's something we at Pacific Justice will be following and possibly litigating if, if needed if this becomes law. Uh, I think, uh, unfortunately, there's a very good chance that it will become law, and uh, that would be uh, a, a new ground, if you will, for uh, dehumanizing, um, you know, precious babies, and in this case, you know, born babies. Uh, and it's what's it's, what's also concerning is the fact that the coroner uh, will be prevented from investigating at all yeah. uh, the cause of, the cause of death of a, such a a precious newborn baby. And if they and do if, try, if, right, then the mom can sue them for attorney's fees and all of that. Right. Yeah. They can. So a coroner can be sued for monetary damages if the, if the coroner just simply does their job and investigates 
what is on on the face and an obvious or apparent murder by either uh, the mother or uh, or the doctor or whoever. So this is a, a serious concern. And, uh, I, you know, if it passes, you know, we're going to see other states. You know, Maryland's already looking at it. Um, you know, blue states are going to get just even darker, more uh, heinous in their, their their policies. And at the same time, we have red states that are speaking up for the unborn. And, and people understand how significant it is, this, this issue in terms of actual numbers. Since Texas passed its heartbeat legislation protecting the preborn after a heartbeat can be detected. Since then, uh, over 30,000 babies' lives have been saved. Mm. Uh, in just a little over a year, over 30,000 precious little babies are now living and toddlers and laughing in the state of Texas. They would be dead um, if they had the former law uh, and laws like, like the state of California, they would be dead and murdered and buried. Um, this is very, very serious. And I think it, it will be an issue, uh, but it's not a, a slam dunk win for the liberals. Um, I think uh, it's it's uh, it's actually, I think, going to be a wake up call on a statewide level uh, and hold statewide politicians accountable when they oppose reasonable, rational legislation passed by states like Texas and Florida. Now, this leak that occurred um they subju- they suspect that it came from like a, a clerk or somebody inside of the Supreme Court. Is there any legal repercussion that can be taken against that person if indeed found uh, on a federal level, like a federal crime uh, for the leak of the information that we have been all seeing the repercussions of? Yeah, there's uh, and I, I haven't done a, a thorough analysis of it, but I know first off, um, termination of employment. Uh, is yeah, definitely, yeah, uh, the top, top of the list. We also have possibility of them being disbarred because mm. they're a clerk. That means they're an attorney. And uh, so they could be uh, likely disbarred uh, as uh, as an attorney and uh, re- have their license to practice law removed. Um, and then there's also, I'm sure, uh, some, uh, you know, information that, uh, you know, that, that they cannot convey uh, such as this. And, and there is potential for prosecution, I'm sure, uh, for this kind of egregious breach of, of trust. And if there's not, then we're going to see legislation and in, uh, enacting such prosecution, particularly if the Republicans win in the midterm election. Uh, but they will find out, I believe they will find out who it is. Uh, I'm going to predict right up front, and I may be wrong, but of all the justices sitting on the bench, the one that I can see the most likely of, of fanning the flames of doing such a, a, di- a, a, a despicable act like this, that would be Justice Sotomayor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I may be wrong, but, uh, you know, this is... This is the kind of class or lack thereof, the lack of, of professionalism, the lack of integrity, the lack of character that I w- could see coming from her and or her office. It's probably not her directly. Um, I could easily see her in a meeting saying, you know, shoot, I just wish, you know, there was some, you know, some way that the media and some the people out there can get a hold of this so we can put pressure on the court, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, but I guess we can't. And then one of the clerks, you know, he's seeing the nod or the wink oh, or feeling totally it. covert. Yeah. Yeah. Then than doing it. And then, um, and I, and also it's, I think it's important to note, it's not going to be effective yeah. because here's, here's why, because those five justices that right now are on record of, in favor, you know, say some support of, uh, supporting this, this draft, uh, opinion reversing Roe versus Wade, they have actually pressure now not to change. That's right. Because if they did change, it would be apparent or perceived as, as they've changed because of the pressure, because of this tact there, they are less likely to change. If there was a justice that was saying, you know, you know, maybe Kavanaugh or maybe Barrett was saying, oh gosh, you know, maybe, I mean, tentatively I'm in favor of this, but I don't know, I'm working on it. 
because they do. They, they and they change their minds. Uh, Roberts changed his mind. So he flip flops uh, all yeah, the time. Yeah, he flip flops before the end. I mean, uh, but now if they were even thinking about changing their mind, they wouldn't now because to do so would would only support this kind of action in the future, and they would look as if they're weak and subject to the whims of the mobs um, and their their own character and it would be, be brought into question. So this actually solidifies the outcome that we're, we will expect, which is a reversal of Roe versus Wade with those five justices. This might even uh, compel Roberts to actually join the five just for the sake of resolution uh, and, uh, and, con- and to make it all the more conclusive to be a 2-1 decision versus a 5-4. Five, five, so a 6-3, 2-1 versus a 5-4. Roberts may say, you know what, I want to maintain order. I'm an order guy. I'm maintaining, you know, you know, stability. Uh, this may actually pull him over. Uh, on the flip side, he's also a guy who looks out his window and sees who's demonstrating and mm-hmm. he gets emotional. He's insecure. You know, it could actually cause him to be one of the one of the the, the pro-abortion uh, on the pro-abortion side. Uh, but bottom line is, it's not going to work. And uh, at the end of the day, it's going to put pressure on, on state legislative races where the majority are in favor of pro-life legislation of some kind. Uh, at the end, of, you know, so I, I think it's going to it's going to backfire. It's not going to work for him uh, at all. So another question I have. This is more question and answer today, which is really fun. It's a different style than what we normally do. But I've got a lot of questions, and I know you can answer them. Dems have been resuscitating the court packing position after the leaked SCOTUS uh, draft decision. And uh, I'm looking at a headline right here, which I will share on my screen for those of who are watching live on the various uh, live outlets. It says Dems resuscitate court packing uh, position after leaked SCOTUS draft decision. So if you could see that from the screen share. Uh, and it says the draft uh, opinion was written by uh, Justice Samuel Alto. Uh, and then it goes into what is apparently attempted to be resuscitated. Uh, and what do you what do you think about that? Is that really a potential on the table as they revisit this or? No, because they don't have the votes. Uh, Senator Manchin um, will not vote in favor of it and they don't have the votes in the Senate. Uh, it's dead on arrival. This is just trying to rally the people, to get their people all excited, the, the, the left, so they have a high turnout in November. No more, no less. That's all they're trying to, that's, that's all it is. It's just a tool that the politicians are trying to use to, to uh, control the left and to get them to, to do what they want them to do, which is to vote. It's not going to have any impact. It's not going to pass. Um, it may make it an issue, and in fact, it may backfire because most Americans aren't against stacking the court overall. So they're picking an issue where the majority are, are not on their side uh, in order to, to placate the left. Uh, so it's, it's, a, uh, it's, it's not a net gain, in my opinion, for them to be doing this. Uh, it's, it's radical, and most Americans are not in favor of it. Interesting how it's just more nonsense and fake news. Almost, I call them... Uh headline trash, right? Where they just trash the headlines full of just nonsensical things to keep the story alive or to keep it at the forefront of everything. And it keeps everybody's minds off of everything that is going on. The other thing I found extremely interesting about this entire debacle is all of a sudden for months, we didn't know what a man or a woman was. Actually, we had no idea. And, you know, as Americans, (laughs) we couldn't quantify or qualify what that looked like, meant, felt, uh, because we weren't biologists, right? Well, all of a sudden, you have all of those same people trying to stand up for female woman's rights 
Uh, and now we know what a woman is all of a sudden. I thought that's interesting. It's like they came to the light. We know biology again. Uh, what are the odds of that? You know, this is this is this is the world that we live in, as crazy as it seems. But biology matters. This is something that I'm trying to get the church to understand, Brad. That. We don't need to rest on the heels of a Supreme Court victory. Rather, we need to stand up and we need to fight and continue to know where our voice is as a church to lock arms with one another and continue to be pro-life, continue to be pro-gospel, pro-Jesus, pro-Bible, pro-truth. And we don't need to be lackadaisical or throw our hands up and say, oh, well, that's a huge win. It is a huge win. However, we still have states that have the right to make their own laws. Uh, and those trickle down to the people in which are subject to the state officials. And so we can't just be passive and not worry about it or not have a plan going forward. So there's a difference between activism and there's a difference between, uh, you know, service. And, and some people say, well, you know what, Shannon, Brad, you know, all, you guys are... I'm not an activist. You know, that's just not who I am. Well, if you are a believer, you're a server of the triune God and you're supposed to be the hands and feet of the kingdom. And therefore there are things in service we can do to show the love of Christ to those who need assistance. And in this case, there are many women who are suffering, who are being brainwashed to believe that abortion is the right thing for them to do for their body. And it is the correct and right thing for their future. And that indeed, this is not a baby. And as a church, we need to figure out where we stand in our voice to combat that. Oh, yeah. This is not the time for us to say, okay, great. We won. Yeah. Um, no, no, it's, it's just beginning. It's on the state level. You know, in the past, you'd have people running for office uh, for state legislature and, and uh, they'd say, they'd say, they'd say, well, I'm pro-life or pro-abortion, pro-choice. And, and people would say, well, it really doesn't matter because there's nothing on a state level really that's they can really do that much except you know we have parental consent and a parental notice 24-hour notice and stuff etc like that um so you say it's a state level it's not that big a deal now it's going to be a huge deal because every state legislator how they vote on this issue does instantly matter and uh, and i believe it's it's going to be you know people are now going to be more accountable uh states are going to be more morally and spiritually accountable because they will have all the more direct control over whether or not the killing continues of the preborn babies um the the nation will be more uh, you know held responsible on an individual basis uh much more than in the past when when we had a decision like roe versus wade just sort of saying well this is what has to be because we you know it's what the court said now it's what the people will say, and the people will be accountable, both historically, um, as well as uh, you know, morally and spiritually. In Nevada, we have Sisolak, who is a minimi of Newsom. He, man, everything gruesome Newsom does, he is right behind him. And Nevada tends to parrot everything. California, maybe not to severe extremes, but on the big issues, right? And a lot of Christians yeah. keep saying, you know, this is a political issue. This isn't a biblical issue. Oh, no. Abortion, though, is in the political forefront and in political language. It is 100% a biblical issue, and you cannot separate the two. And there are right. good organizations that are fighting the good fight on the front lines to prepare for this. And one of them I'm going to mention is obviously a ministry that I work with. I do their marketing. Um, and it's if, if, you, if everyone who's listening goes to Save a Life Club, so Save a Life, you're going to save a life. 
club.com, you'll be able to see Women's Resource Medical Centers of Southern Nevada. Now, why am I pointing them out? Not just because I work for them and I support them in their great ministry, but they have been preparing for this day, not only in, you know, resources, but in language, in future endeavors, in expanding the scope of pregnancy centers nationwide. Women's Resource Centers has been on the front line fighting the good fight and trying to say, what are we going to do, not from an activism level, but from the hands and feet of Jesus to minister to these women? They're going to have tons of people coming in for abortion tourism. And most of the women who come through the doors of pregnancy centers don't even know if they really want an abortion. They don't even really know what it's going to do to their body because they're lied to. Um, And a lot of them just feel like they have no way out because they have no support. And so what are we going to do about it? This is an extension of the church and more states need to actively have the extension of the church in the way of support for these women. We have to have open doors where they can come in and they can be ministered to. They can be, you know, understand that they're going to get the right counsel from a pastor or there's a resource or pregnancy center available to guide them with certified counselors or whatever to help them make these decisions to know Abortion is not the answer. It does damage you mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, you know, and this is murder. And most women will actually change their mind when they see that heartbeat of that child. Because remember, Brad, the left tries to tell us that it's not a baby, it's a fetus. They use the term fetus. It's all in the language. It removes the emotional attachment than saying it's a baby or if it's a child, right? Because then it, by nature, indicates that it is a part of you. And so they tried to change the terminology so that there is a disconnect, a lack of emotional empathy or compassion or understanding or an attachment to what is growing inside of us. So it's important to know where you're located. We broadcast all over the United States. I have listeners in Israel, Tunisia, uh, where Australia recently we found out Canada, Mexico, you name it. They're there. Uh, the Netherlands, um, No matter where you are, you can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ on the front lines providing what these women are really lacking. They're ultimately lacking Jesus Christ, but they're being pushed through this demonic ideology and through propagating uh, nonsense through the media and propaganda to believe something. And even in the schools and in education systems, they're being lied to in colleges. We can do something. Would you agree? Oh, yes. There's uh, so much that can be done. Dissemination of truth uh, is part of that, uh, so that uh, women know the, the truth about uh, you know what they're actually doing. You know, Planned Parenthood's common line is they say, "Oh, it's just a massive cells." Oh, even pregnant, what you know, six weeks, eight weeks. Oh, it's just a massive cells. That's a lie, uh, and that's why they uh, I despise legislation that requires uh, informed consent, information, uh, you know, waiting time, et, et cetera. Uh, so. Um, Getting out information, the truth is so important. I love what you're doing and uh, ministries like yours that are doing that work. We at Pacific Justice Institute ourselves, we've actually litigated on behalf of pro-life clinics for them to open up in places like like Folsom, California, uh, Vacaville. We've actually uh, filed lawsuits uh, against a Planned Parenthood. We we shut one of them down in Northern California, and uh, we're in in a litigation lawsuit with a, a Planned Parenthood. Uh, presently up in the northwest so uh it's 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 a legal battle the legal battle will will continue um the political battle though will become much more of a grassroots 
issue uh, down to individual state legislators, where they stand. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because we need to be held accountable. And if individuals, uh, it'll no longer be a secondary kind of a, a, an issue, a trivial issue for state legislators. Uh, it'll become a real active issue, one that is very important for the, the voter and uh, the legislator to, uh, to be held accountable for. You know, we have some resources um, that we are actually building. Brandon, my husband, who you know well, Brandon Adams, is making yeah. a resource. He's actually making a workshop that we can go and teach at churches to help educate the staff and the personnel and the support pastors and everybody on this exact issue and even the congregation and youth ministries because there's such a disconnect from the church on what's really happening in their state uh, you know and in the united states they see what's being perpetuated is oh it's you know the women are going to suffer there's going to be massive amounts of women who are going to die and we're going to be overpopulated and our and you know the other narrative from churches coming out is well there's so many christians not standing up to adopt and there's no one fostering and our foster care system is overflowing true mm -hmm. this is true but abortion's not the answer. Two wrongs don't make a right. So the lack of the church's ability to be the hands of feet in Jesus and take care of the widow of the orphan doesn't give us the right to say it's okay to abort those babies, right? Right. And I will say this, though, as far as uh, adoption, uh, my understanding, there's there's not a shortage of couples willing to take a, 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 a newborn baby that was not aborted. The parents, mother says, I can't take care of it. Uh, those babies are being adopted. They're not in massive, uh, you know, orphanages, so, you know, with rows and rows of babies yeah. being cared for. Uh, they are, you know, they are being they are being adopted. And as far as foster care, um, there's a lot of Christian families. One of the uh, issues that we're dealing with is uh, social workers in, in states that are actually trying to um, eliminate Christian foster parents. Yes, and uh, that is a problem. Because, yeah, so we're we're defending. Uh, in fact, when we're litigating, we have a lawsuit up in Oregon uh, where they're trying to keep uh, a Christian couple from being able to be foster parents simply because of their biblical beliefs about uh, LGBT, about same-sex sexual acts or change someone trying to you know, cut their body and hormone it to, mm. to try to change how it looks as a gender. Um, these are uh, So these are things that we're litigating, but the good news is that uh, they are out there to help people. Now, where I do see there is a problem looking up the, the, the river is uh, dealing with uh, increased uh, number of babies uh, being born out of wedlock to poor mothers, uh, particularly in the inner cities uh, where the abortion rate is very high, uh, five times higher, for example, in African-American communities than in other communities uh, per capita. That's huge. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be so there's going to be a real burden there if we do not uh, go even farther upriver. Uh, to uh, to be in favor of programs like a number of states that have passed and red states uh, to educate teenagers as to the consequences of pregnancy, the consequences uh, to, you know, to the male to if he gets a girl pregnant, she has that baby, the financial consequences, the financial burden for the rest of their lives uh, to really get them all to understand and think it through that sex before marriage um, is very risky and could have a huge negative impact for the rest of their life that's not worth uh, the short-term you know uh, thrill so this is the kind of information and then also laws passed to make it easier uh, to hold fathers accountable uh, financially and to even make it as a as a precondition for qualifying for for welfare for identifying the father uh, and to uh, have them uh, financially 
uh, responsible for uh, the, uh, a sizable portion and, of course, uh, completely liable at the end of the day for any uh, government money that's, ha- that's paid out for the care of that baby. Um, these, are, these are things that will bring forth responsibility that are important um, if Roe versus Wade is overturned, as I think it will, and, um, and we see these kinds of things impacting states. I'm going to add a little something to what you said. There isn't a shortage, maybe, of Christians who are willing to adopt and foster, and they are pushing Christians away from it by making it extremely difficult. I've seen that in my own friend's life who want to foster and adopt, that they nearly made it impossible, the county adoption agency, uh, Clark County, to adopt because they wanted the parents and everybody in the household to be vaccinated. And if they were not vaccinated, including with the Charlie Vector 019er, then they would not let them go through the foster program. They ended up having to go through a Christian adoption and fostering agency uh, to get approved to even be able um, to foster or adopt. And of course, in any time that this is an issue. There's a lot of classes and a lot of courses and a lot of time it takes to make sure that they verify you in home checks. And that's all fine. And I agree with all of that. But in the same token, they, the county, for instance, Clark County will willingly and easily give you multiple children. If you're vaccinated, you can be a single homosexual male uh, taking in, you know, four children at a time. Uh, the, the adoption process is not difficult for you. And then we find out later, and this is not in all cases, but in some cases that some of these men have been adopting children and grooming them into homosexuality. And even one recently we found out ended up marrying one of his foster children who was a male, a young boy. And this is not addressed and this is not dealt with. And we see this more common, unfortunately, than not. But the Christian conservative person who does maybe they have a medical waiver, even a vaccine waiver, a religious exemption. They are not allowing these foster children or the potential for adoption. And it makes you concerned on what the left continues to narrate as the problem is caused by them. It's that whole Hegelian dialectic issue, problem, reaction, solution kind of thought process where in one way they create the problem. Now, they didn't create the problem with all these children up for adoption, But when you have a a normal family or a vast amount of Christian families that want to look into adoption who are forced out of the adoption arena or into private adoption, which is very expensive, uh, the whole game changes. But this is the climate of where we live in, and that's why we need to be like Issachar, right? Understanding the signs and understanding the times because this is just spiritual warfare 101 on a different level. Yeah, it is. Uh, California has legislation pending that will effectively, uh, you know, make it Ill- illegal for Christian adoption agencies to exist. Yeah. Um, if they pass that, we will be filing a lawsuit to challenge it immediately. And I'm very confident with this with this Supreme Court uh, that we will prevail. Uh, but that is, you're right. It's uh, it it is part of the the assault on the attack at the expense of the children wonderful, loving parents being disqualified uh, because of their religious beliefs uh, about traditional marriage or because, as you just pointed out, because of the fact they weren't vaxxed uh, with a very controversial vaccine, which actually doesn't even work now with regards to the, the latest strains of COVID. It's it's irrelevant uh, and actually counterproductive for the latest strains of COVID. So um, it's, it's very uh, concerning and uh, 
but at the same time, we need to, as far as the big picture, we need to understand there's going to be more babies coming up for adoption and foster care, uh, particularly in the inner cities, uh, low income, uh, just statistically in the African-American communities. And, um, you know, the body of Christ needs to be ready for that in terms of to respond in terms of responding into it in terms of adoption, foster care but also farther up the river in a preventive meth- method to support legislation that will give uh, re- impose greater direct financial accountability to the fathers. And number one, and number two, uh, education programs mandated that spell out specifically the consequences that uh, the father will endure financially for the rest of their lives that they will not be able to escape. Um, so I think that uh, those are two very important things that need to be uh, addressed sooner rather than later. I have a rhetorical question. Because, I don't know, I think that it'll be fun to ask how (laughs) we talk about uh, when I have you on the program for Power Hour all the time, which we have now switched to earlier in the day for my health reasons. But we talk about the sex education documentary you did at pji.org. So if you want more information, I talk about it all the time. You can go there, email, get the documentary. It's phenomenal. Uh, And my rhetorical question goes like this. How are we really going to be pushing abstinence and uh, understanding sexually transmitted infections and sexually transmitted diseases and the financial um, burden, really, that a family or children cause on a very young individual in the high school or middle school or whatnot, or even freshly out who have no jobs, who can't support themselves, who have no rhyme or reason uh to really care about their body nor somebody else's body because abortion has been so readily available, including the abortifacient pills and things of that nature. How do we combat that when, pardon me, when schools in kindergarten are starting to hand out phallic objects and instigate sexual play and stimulation, which is totally pornographic and demonic and desensitizing and even will cause mental and irreparable harm and damage to children by sexualizing them at a young age and getting them to think that that is normal foreplay and oral sex and all of these things are normal. And then to take it a step further, you have like Clark County school district, which just passed last week that their sex education is being modified to where they role play in class as young as fifth grade on how to ask for sex and how to solicit sex from another individual in the right context, you know, uh, understanding healthy boundaries and open lines of communication. The church has to pony up. We have to be willing to fight just as aggressively all the things you said, which are right on to protect these kids and these young adults and these this future generation of babies that are going to be born. Uh, but if we fall asleep at the wheel in the educational realm, we're kind of being counterproductive. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And I'm really glad you mentioned the churches. Uh, you know, I was thinking more of educational programs and government schools, um, which are very problematic. But actually, uh, you know, churches uh, th- you know, need to be addressing these issues. Uh, I think that uh, churches, particularly in areas where there's high teenage pregnancies, um, they need to, to discuss this as part of the consequence. Uh, you know, maybe uh, the parents need to be made aware, uh, you know, that this is something the church is going to be talking about is the, the consequences of sin and specifically consequences of premarital sex and fornication. And uh, so that the young people understand 
as they're, you know, before they graduate from high school and they go off to college, they, that uh, what the Bible says about moral issues and the consequences of those moral issues. And, uh, and I think that's uh, very important, along with apologetics, you know, how to stand by their faith, keep their faith and defend their faith and their beliefs and their values. Uh, those, are, those are things that I think would be very uh, important uh, more than ever uh, if Roe versus Wade is overturned. And we have, uh, you know, states that not making it so easy for, for, for young women to simply kill their preborn baby and have, a, of course, a lifetime of, of guilt and mental, emotional, and relational consequences. And they need to understand uh, the other consequences, and especially the fathers, uh, because, um, you know, it takes two to tango. And without the fathers, uh, you wouldn't have an, an issue. So they, uh, that needs to be, I think, needs to be addressed in the church as well as, uh, as a matter of, um, you know, a good uh, uh, home care, a, a kind of education that uh, is, uh, you know, a, pro, a part of a, uh, the curriculum programs. I agree 110%. And I think Christian private schools need to pony up as well uh, yes. on their education, right, in this regard. See, the problem is we we combat what we don't like with just, you know, making the, the opposite of it, right? So there's public schools, we make Christian schools. However, we drop the ball because the public schools double down on sex and, you know, all of these different things to the point of pornographic material. But the Christian church, Christian churches or Christian church schools, private Christian organizations, I have not seen one thing come out from one school, homeschool or, or either. And we've been doing a lot of research over the last three weeks specifically with counter education, not just in the biblical um, uh, part of the grade with you know, Bible or Bible reading or language, but actual course material combating that narrative. Because at some point, the kids are going to go out of the home if they're homeschooled or out of the home if they're in a private Christian school, and they're going to be in the world. And so those kids have been totally prop you know, full of propaganda and pornographic material and basically brainwashed. And then our children, they have great Jesus, and they had a great, uh, you know, maybe... Uh, uh, education through great curriculum, but they're defenseless. And we do, we need to double up. We need to double down. We need to pony up as Christians, as believers, you know, uh, as, as pastors, as church administrators, as moms and dads involved in our children's PTA, we will get what we require and request right out of these schools and out of these teachers. If a lot of enough, enough of us get loud enough and we are willing to stand up and fight the good fight, they're going to listen at some point. Something's going to have to change. Uh, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease per se. And so that would be my encouragement. All of this having to do with all of this really satanic and demonic climate that we're dealing with, with Roe v. Wade, the leak from uh, happening uh, and, you know, SCOTUS's reaction potentially coming up here in June or so. Uh, all of this that we see, all of the nonsense, all of the political rhetoric and the lack of, of um, organizing from the church to combat it, it's all spiritual warfare. It's all, you know, in the book of Timothy. It's all the great falling away in apostasy. But we still are on this earth for a reason. We are called to be salt and light. We're supposed to stop the decay right? And occupy until Christ returns. So when we see all these things, we can't freak out. We can't get caught up in the nonsense and in the emotional pull, because it's going to pull all of us in emotionally to get all heated and angry uh, and be combative. No, we need to stay in our healthy boundary in the lane God gave us, extend the arm of love and prepare 
spiritual preparedness for all of these things so we're not caught with a blindfold on or a head in the sand. And that would be my encouragement to everybody who's listening. That is what we need to do. I've been talking to Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute, pji.org. You know him, you love him, so do I. He's on my affiliates page. If you go to the website and you look at the affiliates page, PJI is under legal. They are absolutely phenomenal. I support them. I encourage you to support them because Brad and all of his attorneys, man, they go out and they're fighting the good fight that you and I can't fight alone. They are our helper. They're almost like our armor bearer. You're our armor bearer for the things we need to combat in this crazy world. And I want to thank you for being on the program and being willing to change the time of our power hour, considering, you know, I'm going through some health stuff and I got to get right. So, okay. It's my pleasure, Shannon. And thank you for the great work you're doing. And, um, it's, you know, getting out the truth is so important. And of course, uh, that's what you do on this show. And it's a, it's a privilege to participate. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate you and everybody, all your staff. Again, everybody, this is Brad Dacus from Pacific Justice Institute pji.org. His information is in, is in the comment section below. So if you look, you can click on the link and look at all of the resources they have. If you're interested in that sex education documentary that we talked about earlier and have on many shows, phenomenal resource. There's even a little spot there to donate and join their newsletter where they will give updates on things that they are fighting, things they are standing up for. They will inform you about their Zoom live uh conference calls that they do and question and answer time. And of course you can see Brad on this program as well as on various other networks like CSN um, and many others. He's on his channel. He's got the Dacus report, Brad Dacus live. So check him out. You'd want to stay abreast of everything they're doing, especially with what's going on with uh, the SCOTUS right now and Roe v. Wade. So until next time, everybody, it's already time. I appreciate all of you listening in giving us your prayers. Thank you for everyone who has been praying for me as I have been so sick for a week. Today is the first day I can talk and not cough every two seconds, although still not feeling very well. I appreciate all of your guys' love and your support and your donations. If you want more information on Voice of Truth, you know where to go at voiceoftruthradio.org. If you're interested in joining the movement to stay abreast of all the things I don't talk about on social media as well as the program, special insider information and free resources, especially in the prophecy realm, please make sure you go ahead and you go to Voice of Truth Radio and you join the movement. We've got some amazing uh, and phenomenal content there. You definitely don't want to miss. Tonight, everybody, I'm doing live again uh, for a very important live stream, which I am doing with Dr. Peter McCall. Peter McCall, he is one of the main voices of Charlie Vector 019er. I'm going to share my screen with you. He has been on Joe Rogan. He's actually the one who started the big Joe Rogan uh, massive uproar uh, where they said he was full of disinformation. He fights the good fight on a capital level. He does uh, medical freedom seminars. He's been on OAN and Newsmax, CNN, and uh, Fox News, among others. Uh, he's going to be fighting the good fight and continue until we figure out what's going on with all of the things we're dealing with with the pandemic. But Peter McCall will be on tonight and an exclusive interview with Voice of Truth at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central Time. Pretty sure it's 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you're in Hawaii, I'm pretty sure that's like three hours back. So it's 3 p.m. 
uh, Hawaii time. You don't want to miss it. Tune in. It'll be on Telegram. It'll be on Facebook. It'll be on uh, Twitter and it'll be on Rumble. We will be going live on all of those platforms and then it will go out on the radio as well this weekend. I'm super excited as we discuss a lot that's going on to have Peter McCall on the program. Until next time, everybody, listen, be a voice of truth in your community. We need your prayers. We need you to lift us all up. Brad Dacus, his family, his organization, as well as mine, and everybody you listen to, Spiritual Warfare is real. Uh, spiritual Warfare is real. God bless. Voice of Truth is grateful for the support of MyPillow. MyPillow is a Minnesota-based company that manufactures pillows, bathrobes, slippers, bedsheets, and other products. MyPillow supports the mission of Voice of Truth. For more information, you can go to MyPillow.com forward slash VOT22 or by calling 800-562-4978.